Chapter 14 of A Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Ruhi Huck. Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square by Mrs. Henry de la Pasture. Chapter 14 The Duke until he was nineteen or twenty years old the duke of monaghan had lived the life of a recluse less perhaps because his health had latterly required such complete seclusion than because it was difficult to shake off the compulsory habits of invalidism formed during the earlier years of his boyhood the dukedom had descended upon his father almost as unexpectedly as the fortune of miss marney upon louise de Corset the distant cousin whom the late duke had succeeded having a large family of daughters for whom he was naturally desirous to make every provision in his power left as little as he could help to his heir-at-law and consequently denis was in proportion to his rank a poor man it had therefore been impressed upon him from his earliest youth by his mother that if he married at all he must marry money the duke had smiled a melancholy smile at the very notion of marriage but he was fully alive nevertheless to the embarrassment of his poverty with a number of people dependent upon him a large landed estate which brought in next to no profit and a magnificent castle tumbling into ruins for want of the necessary repairs the duchess had been a west country heiress and had a large fortune of her own but she spent her income royally and as the capital was tied up on her second son dermot it would not benefit the duke nor his impoverished irish estate she rented a house in park lane spent the autumn in scotland the winter in her home on the borders of devon and somerset and the spring in the south of france but she never went to ireland if she could help it and when her son visited Kulmore, he was obliged to visit it alone it was with extreme reluctance and at the insistence of his guardians that the duchess permitted her invalid son over whom she had maintained complete control for twenty years to quit her maternal care and go to oxford but perhaps she had as his guardians believed overdoctored the duke oppressed his spirits and retarded his recovery by her constant and arbitrary supervision for the remarkable improvement which took place in his health undoubtedly dated from the beginning of his college career his melancholy lessened he began to find it possible to be interested even in the sports he could never hope to join his natural abilities which were considerable were called into play he perceived that it was open to him to distinguish himself if he would among his fellows in spite of his lameness he had been educated of course entirely at home but his tutor had been a wise and learned german a master of languages and a fine musician he had directed and formed the boy's tastes for reading encouraged his love of music and laid the foundations upon which denis presently based the structure of a very creditable university career shaking the yoke of his mother's authority off his long-suffering shoulders the duke spent his vacations abroad at first with his old tutor in anxious attendance but later with younger and more cheerful companions 
he found himself to his astonishment able to live much as they lived though his lameness naturally precluded him from sharing their more active exercises but he studied music with enthusiasm and became familiar with the art galleries of europe when he left oxford he proceeded to visit his neglected estates in ireland but here disappointment and disillusion awaited him nothing could be done without money and of money he had none and next to none as soon as the accumulations of his minority were at his disposal which was not according to his father's will until he was five-and-twenty he did what he could which was something and dreamed of doing more the careless luxury of the expenditure in park lane angered him when he thought of the silent deserted and almost ruined halls of his predecessors concerning his feelings for his mother denise dwelt upon them as little as possible he was not in sympathy with her and she resented what she believed to be his ingratitude probably it was rather his independence that she resented having grown accustomed to settle everything for her eldest son to have him always under her own eye and to consider him as helpless as an infant she did not relish his sudden emancipation and found his restoration to health irksome in fact though in theory she was obliged to rejoice nevertheless she respected denis she knew him to be steady and high principled as his brothers were wild careless and extravagant and she wished him to marry with all her heart she was becoming indeed somewhat feverishly anxious upon the subject and unlike the generality of mothers was prepared to welcome almost any young woman whom her son might select provided only that she had a fair fortune on this point the duchess was firm though her own parentage was unexceptionable or perhaps because of this fact she was not painfully exclusive in principle she was not of those who are the bane of the newly rich and the successfully married unimpressed by present appearances searching for humble pasts preferably ignored and crying always but who was she on the contrary the only question that vexed her economic soul was how much let her be respectable and not smart let her but have a dot sufficient to set them up in comfort and i care nothing who she may be thought the duchess but it was her despair that the duke did not seem inclined to marry at all she had never been of a demonstrative nature and the petting and coaxing which had been bestowed upon the crippled boy had come from his attendants and not from his mother whom he had rather feared than loved his affection had been for his father who passionately regretful of the misfortune which had befallen his heir had lavished upon him every indulgence in his power the duke's death crushed the spirits of the little invalid and made him grave and melancholy beyond his years but in proportion to the deprivations of his boyhood did the young man now enjoy the existence which his brothers appeared to devoid of amusement and excitement it was not considered prudent that he should hunt but he rode in moderation and walked as much as his lameness permitted and the exercise increased his strength he lost the air of almost ethereal delicacy which constant confinement had bestowed and though he must always be delicate looked and was perfectly healthy and well 
his brothers loved him sincerely but pitied him more for a man who could neither hunt play cricket nor go deer stalking must be always in their opinion an object of pity from the sports and games that were at this period of their lives the salt of their existence he was forever debarred and though they were accustomed to his exclusion from their favourite pursuits they were sorry for him whenever they remembered it they were rough good-hearted young fellows with a strain of their mother's overbearing disposition in their natures which may have accounted for their quarrels with their surviving parent and with each other but with denise they never quarrelled partly because of his own gentleness and partly because in their frequent scrapes he always shielded and sympathised with them since for so many years his spirit had chafed under the knowledge of his own utter helplessness and dependence it afforded him indeed special satisfaction to be of use to them and to others and he assumed his position as head of the house with an almost pathetically earnest determination to do his duty therein thus rejoicing in his newly acquired freedom he was divided between amusement and disgust when his mother with tears in her eyes recommended to him one nice kind motherly young creature with money after another as exactly formed to take care of him and watch over his valuable health it was the helplessness the timidity the childishness of little jean that had touched him during the ridiculous episode of her unauthorized call upon one of the most conventional women in london the young man's heart still leapt to recall the look she had cast upon him the appeal for help in her beautiful frightened brown eyes the glad relief and gratitude of the little dimpling face when he had cast his shyness to the winds and came to her assistance the flush of joy when he boldly claimed kinship and the right to show in some measure the sympathy and interest with which his heart was filled at the mere touch of the magic wand of first love for though he was five-and-twenty years old and had loved innumerable heroines of history and fiction and imagination and even a few never to be forgotten but personally nearly unknown goddesses in real life yet denise knew almost the instant that he had set eyes upon jean that here was his first and last and only love having looked upon himself pensively for some years past as one wedded to his art alone he was the more taken aback by the strength and suddenness of his passion and inclined to ridicule himself for the discovery that the conditions of a man's life even though he may have spent an invalid boyhood are not necessarily fixed and unchangeable at the age of twenty-five but every day his love took a stronger hold of him in defiance of ridicule or bewilderment he thought of his brothers who had been in and out of half a dozen love affairs already quite unknown to the duchess and who remained apparently perfectly cheerful and heart-whole in spite of these experiences he thought of his poverty of his mother's certain indignation for though her brother might be rich jean herself so far as he knew had not a penny in the world of the absolute necessity of his marrying money if he married at all of the wisdom of remaining as he was and allowing his wealthy brother dermot to succeed him and the upshot of all his reflections was after nearly a week's indecision that he determined to remain in london for the present instead of returning to ireland 
and to call at 99 Grossmanner Square again upon the very first opportunity that should present itself. During this week, time hung less heavily than usual upon Jean's hands, for she had found an occupation. She worked at her French for a couple of hours every morning under the guidance of the old professor sent to her by the Duke of Monaghan, and in the afternoon prepared diligently long exercises for his inspection on the morrow. So delighted was she with her own progress that she even began to indulge in dreams of a translation of Cyrano de Bergerac as a triumphant surprise wherewith to greet her brother on his return. But at present she contented herself with choosing his favourite work for the daily reading, which was to improve her accent and extend her acquaintance with the language. At the end of the week Cecilia appeared, very smartly dressed in scarlet cloth and white fox, a combination eminently becoming to her fair skin and golden hair, though qualified to render the stoutness of her figure yet more conspicuous. "'Well, you dear thing, you have never asked me to drive as you promised, so I have come to look you up. What do you think? Joseph has been telegraphed for to Berlin and has gone off at a moment's notice. I cannot make up my mind whether to follow him or not.' "'Has he gone for a long time?' that is just it that is my dilemma he was in one of his moods when he went away and would not give me an idea how long he was likely to be if i pack up and follow him he may be starting home just as i arrive and i should have the journey for nothing he played that trick on me once before and if i put off going why he may stay on and on and i be missing all sorts of functions to which they would be obligated to invite me if i were with him what would you advise i would do what he wished of course said jean bluntly it is all very well for you to say that but a married woman knows very well that it does a man no good to spoil him he would not thank her if she did said cecilia peevishly wait till you have a husband of your own my dear a propos have you seen anything of our little friend the duke jean coloured rather angrily at the tone in which cecilia pronounced these words but a certain embarrassment made her glad to be able to answer she had not seen her cousin since the night of the little dinner do you mean to say that after dining here he has not called said cecilia with exaggerated surprise how very rude i do not see that it is rude my dear you own yourself that you are quite unacquainted with la convenancy said cecilia with dignity it is usual to leave cards at least after dining but you and the professor have not left cards cried jean cecilia recollected herself in some confusion that is quite different i have known you all your life one does not stand on ceremony with old friends you know perhaps relations do not stand on ceremony either my dear he is the most distant cousin in the world i have been looking him up and it was three generations ago that one of them married a marney of orset i had not meant to boast of it said jean colouring i know it is very distant oh you need not apologise said cecilia more good-naturedly if i were related to a duke however distantly i should take just as much care it was known as you do yourself and you have more reason to care about it than i having relations at what might one call the other end of the social scale 
in this delicate manner cecilia strove to remind jeanne of the existence of her uncle roberts the farmer yes i looked the duke up and i was surprised to find how old he was he is six and twenty i took him for the merest boy i suppose we fair-haired folk have a knack of looking younger than we really are jeanne endeavoured to turn the conversation by admiring cecilia's dress which indeed was a very striking and elegant cut it is not a bad little frock said mrs hogg watson as carelessly as though she had been all her life accustomed to wearing two thousand franc gowns from the maison douce one might be tidy for london you know otherwise i never worry about my clothes though i am so particular about the children's i hope the children are well oh they are always well or if they are not they have the best of nurses to look after them what have you here exercises books you sly thing you are studying to fit yourself for anything that may turn up well this is foresight indeed i am improving my french to please louise to please louise indeed seriously jeanne you might be a little more open with such an old friend but however i will not press you i am the last person to force a confidence only i know the world better than you do perhaps i ought to utter a word of warning his brother lord dermot liscarney has the reputation of being a dreadful flirt and i have no doubt this young man is just the same don't make too sure even though of course your position is very different from what it used to be for i suppose louise could hardly refuse to make some kind of a settlement upon you so devoted as you have always been still a duke is a duke and not very likely to marry out of his own sphere after an ineffectual effort to persuade her friend to accompany her on a shopping expedition mrs hogg watson at length took her leave without waiting for tea and jean felt as the door closed behind her that there were after all worse things than solitude in this world she had scarcely recovered her equanimity when the duke walked into the room an hour ago she would have welcomed him with unaffected joy but now her greeting was so constrained that he could not but observe the alteration in her manner something has been vexing you cousin jean he said in his peculiarly gentle tones may i know what it is you have no bad news i hope jean shook her head no i have no news at all in my last letter he had just left obia so he must now as he said be marching towards me she hesitated a moment and then said cecilia has just been here oh said the duke so expressively that jean smiled feeling more at ease you do not like her i can believe that a prolonged tete-a-tete with her might be rather trying said the duke who was too polite to own that he disliked any one far less a lady whom he had met under jean's own auspices she says such things faltered jean petulantly then do not let your mind dwell on the things she says he said rather hurriedly some people say impossible things it is a kind of habit and the only way to avoid being ruffled is to think of something else how do you like my old professor 
he's the kindest old man in the world she said and denise smiled to see how easily her thoughts were diverted from her vexation and do you know he has promised to write to a friend of his who used to live in paris but he's not quite sure if he's still alive and make inquiries for me about the poor de Corset, who was killed in the south african war but it does not sound very hopeful said the duke unable to help smiling again i know his ways poor fellow he would be quite satisfied to wait a year or two for an answer from the possibly deceased friend there are quicker methods of research than his if you would care to employ them i will help you with all my heart oh thank you cousin denise i do long to find out would it not be delightful if louise and i discovered some near relations of our own i have always wished to belong to a family and it would make our french descent seem so much more real louis used to plan that directly he could afford it he and i were going to france to look for the chateau de Courset and to try and find our relatives then might he not be a little disappointed to find we had forestalled him since he's coming home so soon i never thought of that said jean to be sure he would for louis likes to do things himself and we could start off together if i waited till he came home then perhaps it would be wiser to leave the inquiries in the professor's hands for the present where i believe they will be quite safe and perfectly stationary i think it would she was obliged to own and at least if i go on with my french i shall be able to talk to my family when i do find them which i certainly could not do at present you do not despise us for having french blood do you i have no insular prejudices i hope said the duke laughing i cannot understand any one's not being proud of the people who belong to them said jean of course it is more romantic if they are also a noble race she said flushing proudly is it snobbish to say so no indeed he said simply it is to me quite absurd to confound snobbishness with pride of race to be glad you are born of men and women who have for generations been distinguished for gallantry cultivation fine persons or that gentilesse which is the only true gentility in mere common sense you could no more despise such a pedigree than a racing man despises the pedigree of a horse snobbishness to my mind consists in bearing one's self with more consideration towards one class of person than towards another whereas the well-bred man would be equally courteous and well-behaved she listened very earnestly yes do you know cousin denise you talk a little like louise only more more deliberately louise hurries out his words like a torrent but your ideas are very like his i do not profess to have originated them they were the merest platitudes he said with that look of affectionate raillery she had learned to associate with his gentle semi-ironical tones but it makes it plain said jean proudly that the truly noble man could not be ashamed of the people who belonged to him because they were with a sudden reminiscence of cecilia at the other end of the social scale in a way i am as proud of uncle roberts because he is so absolutely upright and independent and because i knew he would not do a wrong thing knowingly or stoop to flatter anybody to save his life as i am of any of my brave french ancestors 
though he is a rough and homely man so you should be he said with instant and warm approval oh cousin denise i remember a little girl who went to school with me in the village at the penny vaughan she was very clever and won scholarships and became a teacher and we heard that she passed her own father who was a labourer in the streets of Go, and would not recognise him she was ashamed of him i cried when i heard it but i was younger then and cried very easily i suppose it seemed so dreadful yes it was dreadful and still more dreadful to think of that girl being a teacher simply because she had passed a certain examination and at an age when the realities of life are mere words and experience and wisdom almost nil said denis rather sadly i have wondered sometimes why poor ladies do not turn their attention to village schools it would surely be a happier life than governessing or companioning cross old women and living in other people's houses the schoolmistress at penny one gets eighty pounds a year said jean she could rent a cottage and garden for four or five pounds and would have the dearest little home in the prettiest country in the world i suppose she could live on that said the duke who was not a practical housekeeper jean who was opened her eyes in astonishment if she couldn't live on thirty shillings a week and put by she said indignantly she would be a very helpless creature cousin denise don't you think i am rather ignorant of such details he confessed but only too eager to learn and i was thinking principally of the children they are so easily influenced at that age and would learn so quickly to distinguish between being genteel and gentle and thus discover the piteous vulgarity of pretence which is the terrible stumbling block in this country the only thing is said jean thoughtfully whether a lady would not be too finicking to care to do for herself he fathomed her meaning with an effort if she were fine he said rather disdainfully she would not belong to the class from which i would have her taken fineness is the characteristic of the middle classes the upper and lower are naturally destitute of it and that is why they usually sympathize when they meet yes i see what you mean a queen can sit and talk to an old peasant woman quite simply and without affection but that is because each knows her place in the world and has no occasion for pretence whereas the burgomaster's wife would make the peasant and the queen feel very uncomfortable he said laughing i do not know what a burgomaster's wife is well the mayor's lady the butcher's wife at trego is the worst said jean gravely she has a door knocked out in the back wall because she would not be seen coming out of her own shop they had tea together in the twilight for the days were now beginning to lengthen and after tea the duke played to jeanne and she sat by the fire and dreamt of louise and of the changes of that his return must ensure would not he leave the army now that he was so rich he must surely have done his share of soldiering but she had not dared to suggest this course to him in her letters perhaps he would buy back if it were possible the old french property in the boulogne as they talked of doing long ago in their childish plans together perhaps for mr valentine had hinted that this too lay within the power of the great fortune miss marney had bequeathed to louise he would rebuild orset and settle down in the west country
would he be very much altered his letters did not seem to suggest it though she was conscious of more reserve in them than formerly he spoke less of himself and his wishes and his plans for the future and more of his work she thought and thought of louise but of her cousin denise playing softly in the firelight on poor miss marney's new piano beneath her old gilt harp she scarcely thought at all his perfect self-possession and friendliness had banished altogether the embarrassment which cecilia's insinuations had provoked she rested contentedly in his presence and enjoyed his companionship with all the gratitude that the remembrance of her loneliness before his advent could inspire he longed yet feared to disturb this happy unconsciousness it is too soon thought the duke but he too was dreaming of happiness to come as he played on and on in the warm spring-scented room and watched the pointed shadows cast by her downcast black lashes upon jean's face which glowed in the clear red light of the dying fire End of chapter fourteen